I'm Phil Rickaby, and I've been a writer and performer for almost 30 years. But I've realized that I don't really know as much as I should about the theater scene outside of my particular Toronto bubble. Now, I'm on a quest to learn as much as I can about the theater scene across Canada. So join me as I talk with mainstream theater creators you may have heard of, and indie artists you really should know, as we find out just what it takes to be stage-worthy. If you value the work that I do on Stageworthy, please consider leaving a donation either as a one-time thing or on a recurring monthly basis. Stageworthy is created entirely by me, and I give it to you free of charge with no advertising or other sponsored messages. Your continuing support helps me to cover the cost of producing and distributing the show. Just four people donating $5 a month would help me cover the cost of podcast hosting alone. Help me continue to bring you this podcast. You can find a link to donate in the show notes, which you can find in your podcast app or at the website at stageworthy.ca. Now, on to the show. Emma Bartolomucci is a choreographer, climate activist, and self-described ecosexual from Toronto, Canada. She joined me to talk about her theatrical multimedia dance show, The Fourth R, which is on now at the Edinburgh Fringe. In this conversation, we talk about preparing to present a show at the biggest Fringe Festival in the world, how she uses performance in her climate activism, her dance journey, and so much more. Here's our conversation. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Tell me about the fourth R. Just to get started, let's jump in and talk about that. Okay. So this was a project I started in 2020, um, and it got severely halted because of the pandemic. Um, we were supposed to go to a bunch of fringes um, that got po- postponed, and later we had to. We actually didn't even end up going to all of them. Anyways, um, it, it's it's my climate activism really took a deep dive during the lockdowns because I was able to stop like we all had the time to do stop take a moment and learn more and um so in 2020 the project was from a very artistic lens and then um the pandemic happened and I was like oh no 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 this is this isn't about human consumption um this is about fossil fuels and governments um and so that's kind of where the project really took a turn in 2021 and then we were finally able to launch on earth day in 2022 which was like a dream come true to have this project happen on earth day um and then the project's been just kind of going strong ever since um it's now we've gotten up to 48 showings at this point which i think for an independent self-produced work it's, it's like it's pretty it's a good feat yeah um we've we, you know a few companies have picked this up here and there um, we've done well in schools um, and we've done quite a few fringes. And then this summer, we're kind of gearing up for the mothership of fringes, the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, just to just to jump back to like that, that 2020 time I've been talking yeah. with, with with my girlfriend a, a couple of times about how, you know, was it very short, did take very long into that lockdown when nobody was going out, nobody was driving around that suddenly it was very clear that, oh, wait, like, all of the driving around and all of the stuff we're doing is, is, is called like, like, you know, I live in downtown Toronto and like looking out the window or standing on the balcony, suddenly it's like, it's summer, but there's no A's. Interesting that, you know? Yeah. And now the time that we're in, like, I'm just looking, like I, I'm, I'm looking at the trees and I'm seeing like a haze on everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's intense. It's a really it, intense feeling. I find it hard to believe that, I mean, I shouldn't, but you know, <laughs> the fact that we went through all that and we saw how clean the air was, we saw all of the things that changed the animals that sort of like, sort of like coming, coming back and like seeing a, re, a resurgence in their populations and things like that, that we could so easily just be like, oh, back to, 
back to business as usual. Let's get the car and drive, you know, all sort of, it's ridiculous. I know it's, it's insane. It's insane. Um, I don't think we really realize the machine that's just turning a gear in a circular motion. Like we're just kind of, we're just repeating the cycles and it's, there's a lot of change makers out there that um, want to want to halt that and want to alter it and, and shift gears. And yeah. I think that's really, really, really cool. And it's something that happens in in like the theater world too. Like we had mm-hmm. this pause, and there were so many discussions about things that we could change. All of these, all of these, you know, we could we you know all of these theaters made all these statements about for Black Lives Matter and like True. changing the way that they were going to to cast and behind the scenes and in front of the and, and on the stages and all that sort of stuff. And then, of course, the everything comes back, and the the treadmill of production starts up again, and it's so easy, and you see how things sort of like start to just fall back into the old patterns. Exactly, and, and there was so much fumbling around too. And like, granted, like we needed, we all needed time to learn, and you know, um, I had my kind of racial inequity awakening. Um, in 2015, when I was a part of uh, a European production of of Hair, um, I got pretty whooped. I got pretty whooped into into learning about just how embedded racism really is. Um, and it was interesting to watch because I was with an American cast doing that show. And I think, yeah, I think I think in America they're dialed into these racial equity issues a little bit more so than Canada, especially like a few, like five years ago, like yeah. now Canada's dialed in um, with every child matters. But, you know, um, yeah, like it was just interesting watching all of us try to put out like mission statements and try to put out anti-racism clauses and, and, and just seeing what worked and what didn't, what was offensive, what wasn't like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie like it's been a journey with with because we touch upon racism in, in my show it, it's it's been a it's been a journey with that too like a lot of learning and learning um, and listening deep deep listening I think that's the the thing that I think because everybody wants to run to the end it's like oh yes I want to get to the end where I'm no longer racist and it's like yes. doesn't this there's a lot of things that go and it's not about like being anti-racist is about identifying your own racism even though you don't like it to be like oh yes nope yes i see that and working to make change it's not like oh yes i realized it and now i'm no longer racist so now we can make (laughs) all these changes you know yeah Yeah. and i think i think you know as an artist what the as a what the pandemic really lended for me was just like a complete ego death like Wow. <laughs> to really understand that, like, there are so many, so many issues out there and so many people that live in really harsh conditions. Wow. Like, I Not just I, that, but, you know, in the in the industry itself, like really being able to see the unhealthy patterns that yes. that we have taken on and just accepted yes. as this is normal. This is what you do. Yes, it can be. Exactly. It can be a toxic, it can be a toxic industry, unfortunately. And I, it's great to hear. Um, I mean, like so many other industries are right. So many, uh, we're all, we're human. It happens. Um, but it's been so great to hear that there's a lot of change makers. There's a lot of directors that are taking it into their own hands and, um, making spaces available for everybody and all voices. And it's just, I think the future is like looking, it's looking bright and like hopeful, for theater and um i don't know we there's a lot of possibility and i think we can use it for good well that's the thing let's use it for good not evil but i think there's there's also this this idea of all these things that are happening now you hear these theaters in the states that are like we can't afford to keep going like all of this stuff that's 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 been happening and i've i've been hearing more and more about people who have been like so positive in the industry and so like like movers and shakers who are starting to be like I don't even know if I want to be part of this industry anymore because of the toxicity and stuff. And that's really sad. Yeah. And, and still like, that's, that's exactly where I'm at. I'm not going to lie. Like, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be a downer, but like, damn, like this, I've gone through some real tough moments in this industry Mm. and granted, like some of them, yeah, I had to learn. Um, but some of them were completely unnecessary and ego trips and power trips. Um, and trying to make me feel small. And with this work now, with the fourth R, like 
I've been dancing for decades at this point. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. Um, and I'm just ready to really like, I'm ready to take up space and be disruptive with the fourth R because I feel like it's something that we really, the, the theater industry, you know, we as, as at large, in large, we need, but the theater industry needs too. Like, yeah, there's more yeah. sustainability to be had. I think that, yeah. I, and I think that the, the idea of taking up more space, I think that, that as, as, as performers, we're good at doing that when somebody gives us the job. Right. Mm -hmm. But we're not so good at it when it's like, you know, standing up for yourself or like like making making space for yourself. We're really good at letting somebody else give us some space. Yes. Um, which is sort of what leads into the toxicity. Um, we need to find there need to be ways to be like, I'm taking this space right now and I'm doing this thing, which is what fringes are great for. Mm -hmm. um, and it's great when something from the fringe can sort of like expand and grow from that. Yes. There need to be more opportunities outside of outside of fringe for that kind of thing to happen. Agreed. Agreed. You know, I, I think there's there's a there's the next generation coming up is is really uh, that I can see the next generation of theater makers is really like we want to build um, workspaces and, and and industries based on care. Yeah. And as a millet, you know what I mean? Care like that. Yeah. That's a big word. And as a millennial who was taught by so many amazing boomers. Um, that also works with so many Gen Zs in my dance company. Um, I feel like I'm often like bridging these two, this, these gaps of trying to like old meets new, um, taking yeah. the good from from what like the professionalism and like the work ethics that that mm -hmm. I was taught by my elders, and then taking this new wave of thinking of being like, no, th there's to there's toxicity here. Yeah. How can we achieve? How can um, we? Uh, what's the word like? get through conflict how can we um say, solve problems yeah. and still be nice to each other you know in a creative process and it's so possible it's just that you know as uh, you know i'm i'm an old man so like i'm generation x so when i went through school gen we were taught like i'm like gen x yeah but like we were we were sort of like at the mercy of like that just like yes this is how it is i suffered through this education and you will too and we were like because you know that we were Gen X, we were like, yes, okay, yes, we will suffer through it too. And then we see other people behind us who are like, no, we're not going to do it. And we're like, yeah, we sh we should have said that too. We, we, yes, yes, nobody needs to suffer through that, you know? Really? Really? Because I feel like all the Gen Xers I know are pretty punk. <laughs> this is the, but I mean, yes, there's there's the punk aesthetic, but then you get into a theater school, right? Uh, and when I was in theater school, um, we were like, okay, so... You know, you're going through your first semester and then the Christmas break happens and right before the Christmas break you hear, oh, like five people got cut from our cat, our class. And you're like, oh shit, that's a possibility. And suddenly you spend the rest of your time in school living in fear of right. being cut, that you will do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing. And that sort of primed a lot of us for going out into the industry and, you know, being afraid to speak up when we saw something bad because, um, you know, oh, that I... This I could be my job at exactly, I'm exactly. I yeah, possible. Yeah. yeah, and then I hear about kids now who are like because their the theater school that I went to hasn't done cuts in years, and I'm like, see, that's how it should be. People will self remove themselves if they're not feeling that they belong in the school, or if they're not, if it's not the right place for them. We don't need to be like, we don't see a future for you in this industry. We'll cut you because you don't know that somebody's like 18, 19 years old. How can you say that? totally um i think I, I love the point that you bring up about like being shook like shocked into um the system of it all um yeah i think i think at my my theater when i went to school um i was like a big rebel and uh <laughs> and like it, it, it had a cool moments but there was also some really uncool moments as well um but i think the takeaway is that like we it's it's a, it, we're, we're, the world moves fast like it's yeah. a new time like let's yeah. let's revamp things like let's make new art like let's make new rules um this isn't working for us anymore yeah. um there's so much harm here how can we yeah. do it right and i mean there's always there's always we're human like there's always going to be we're going to make mistakes there's going to be harm but that that resolution i think is it's how you yeah. deal with the fact that 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 you caused harm, right? Yes. 
If you cause harm and your response is, well, you know what? I, I was harmed when I was in school, so it's okay. It'll just make you stronger. Instead of being like, you know what? You're right. That's wrong. And we won't do like making a change. That's exactly. the important thing. Yeah. Exactly. Because with my younger dancers, like I don't want them to be traumatized into things like I was. I don't want that for them. Do I want them to do a good job? And I do. I want them to be professional and show up 100%. Hell mm. yeah. But being like the fear of it all. I mean, that's intense, you know? theater is a pressurized situation like we're going on the stage we have to produce something good. Yeah. like there's people coming in the doors or they're coming to watch something like you know it's a, it, I, I can't, we can't get around the pressure of it all um but yeah the fear not for me yeah and i you know you were talking about like being a bit of a rebel when you went to school and i was like yeah like within the first year of theater school they cut all the rebels like the real like <laughs> the people who would speak out it was like oh okay yes okay. And I survived. I had a lot of conditions and a lot of probations, but I survived because I, you know, I'm talented. <laughs> I got to stick When sometimes you have to fight for your spot, because I was like, I remember when I was in theater school, you know, I, every time that, that, that day came up, the Christmas break and the end of the year, they're like, well, we're going to cut you. And I would be, I would have to claw myself and like, like fight to stay in the school. And I, I had to do that every time. So the entire year was spent in fear. All three years of the theater school experience were like, they cut me at every time, at any time. And, and I might not be able to fight my way back this time. And that's no way to make art. No, 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 no. It's supposed to be like from a blessed, joyful space, a creative yeah. space. When I host yeah. the auditions now, like I just, like I brought my, brought, I had an assistant this time from my, for my tours this summer and like, just having fun, laughing, asking what people like and asking about themselves, like this, the power dynamics, like how can we shift those, you know, because it's a creative work and, and yeah. to get everyone's best. People need to be relaxed. Yeah, absolutely. They do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a stressful situation. So you need to relax people. For sure. Um, with with this 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 show, uh, The Fourth R, um, you mentioned, uh, 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 you know, the, the Fringe Festivals you've taken into. You just did it at the Toronto Fringe. Um, this summer, sort of like, you know, get, I guess, you know, getting ready for the, the, the mothership, um, as you, because Edinburgh is like a thing, right? It's like the most intimidating (laughs) to me is like the most intimidating fringe festival on the planet. And I get, I get nervous thinking about possibly going to Edmonton. So like the Edinburgh is big. So, um, was this a plan when you first like put this show together or did it come together this year and 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 you're just embracing it or was edinburgh always the place you wanted to go okay um i mean i'm a i'm a touring artist even when i was um a performer i i i've most of my career has been international touring um so touring is particularly enjoyable for me um, when you're self-producing a work, it's re- it's hella stressful, but I, I'm getting a lot out of it. I'm learning a lot and um, I'm, you know, pushing my brand um, and hopefully pushing an ecological message. Um, so I've done I've done PEI Fringe, Ottawa Fringe, um, Edmonton Fringe and Halifax. And it was after Edmonton that someone was like, I think you, you might be ready for Edinburgh. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've been doing, I've done seven in total, I think six or seven fringes in total at this point. Um, and the vibe in Edmonton, have you have you been? I was in Edmonton in 2012 with a show. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, then you could see like, it, it's a very festival, festival street. There's a hub, there's food around. Yeah. Per- outdoor performers. People are like pitching themselves and selling their shows. They're talking with people in lines, yeah. really drawing in audiences. And I really thrived in that environment. Mm. D- like, let's face it, like dance shows at the fringe. Come on. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like it's it's great to do them and to be part of the festival, but they're never going to do as well as well. They're not never. But in my experience, they haven't I haven't done as well as some of the theater shows. Um, regardless, though, I felt like in Edmonton, I was able to pull in decent audiences, big audiences. And that was a moment where I was like, if this is if Edinburgh is like selling yourself and handing out flyers and handing out tickets and this and that, like I I could handle it. I'm really nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. 
I'm very nervous. Um, but I'm also very excited to be taking this leap and just to like invest in myself in this way. I think there's something about something about being nervous and it's you know, it's a massive month long festival. Yeah. So it, it Sorry, my are, dog's working. That's all right. That's all right. You are somebody you're it's sort of like, you know, if you're faced with the lion, it's smart to be a little afraid of the lion, right? You can know how to how to face the lion. You can you know how to like deal with the lion, but it's smart to be scared of it, right? And sort of like the Edmonton, the, the Edinburgh Fringe is a little bit like that from everything I've heard. So as an undertaking, what what have you done to like? How are you preparing for uh, this 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 massive uh, festival? Cool. Yes, totally. Like marketing, marketing, marketing. Um, I mean. I feel, you know, I, I, I like what you said about being intimidated and being scared. Like, that's healthy, you know? That's healthy. That's not to say I'm going to, like, um, totally regress and not rise to the challenge and just, like, stay in my room and be like, oh, it's too much. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get it. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to do it. Um, uh, so I've been um, with Edmonton, uh, sorry, Edinburgh Fringe, like they have like this artist hub. So I've been in touch with them and have got, I've been given like a list of like a hundred producers that are interested in dance works. I've been reaching out to them, setting up comp tickets. Um, also a big part of the fourth R and what we do is we invite other activists, other green groups to come speak at our event and hopefully like highlight it on their networks as well. And like pull in audiences that way. So we already, we've been in touch with the Scottish Green Party because that's the, the Canadian Green Party is, um, definitely an affiliate of ours um, and we and other like activist groups so so we already have a couple confirmed um, and and you know that'll be cool um, we're also we're performing at the Just Festival which kind of has its own like hub it's a it's a church right downtown on Prince's Street which is like the main street in um, the Edinburgh Fringe um, and they have like their own congregation the, the, their festival is all um, centered around works to do with human rights. So there'll be audiences that will come from there. Um, we've, we've printed a thousand like little flyer cards um, to be handing those out. We have our wireless uh, speaker that we're going to be bringing and going to be wearing our green suits, our, you know, very, uh, these green suits that we have, we're going to be wearing those in the streets and dancing and handing out cards and pulling people in. Um, what else? I think, I think that's all the marketing. <laughs> I just gave away yeah. all my information. Um, no, it's great. Um, and we have we have cool so social media posts. Like my 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 visual designer, um, luckily is my partner, and um, he does a lot for me. We we have really cool videos, really cool photos. Um, so we're gonna push those online. Um, we have we have a banner set up right outside of the fringe, like a huge banner that's already that's been up for a couple weeks outside of the church with our QR code and our photo and like cool, our, you know, our laurels and our quotes from press. Um, mm. So I think I'm, you know, I'm doing the best I can. Um, yeah. I, I've, I've already met with a few producers, uh, had uh, uh, talked to a couple people that are also in the sustainable space, doing arts as well, set up some Zooms, hear from them. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a big undertaking. Like I have so much respect for anyone that produces a work and takes it to another city. It's a huge, like, be proud of yourself. That is so yeah. epic of you. It's massive. It's massive. Um, when you're, especially when you're self, like you're self producing, like cause you're like, you know, I've toured solo, both solo shows and, and other shows to different cities. You know, like the show that I went to Edmonton with, it was like a cast of four plus a piano player. So we had like a, a thing, you know, but the, mostly recently I've been touring solo shows. So, you know, yeah, I'm performing and, and and producing and so you have to like figure out like how do i manage to be a performer and a producer without letting e either of those crumble at any yeah. point yeah. what have you learned about doing that in the past few years um yeah i i i heard you talking on an episode about this very thing uh, you don't, you don't, and you're doing solo works and you don't necessarily like postering lines. Is that something, is that? Oh my goodness. No, no. Yeah, 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 it makes me want to vomit. <laughs> I know. It's pretty stressful. Um, 
and especially as like with an activist work too like mm. in Edmonton oh my gosh like some people yeah right like some people looked at our poster and was like mm, no no way revolutionize like no like they were more aggressive than that yes I'm sure I'm sure they were gonna burn oil until the day they die and that kind of thing um but but yeah so so keeping like I I, I I'm just very privileged to have a lot of energy honestly um I work like mo usually 14 anywhere from 12 to 15 hours a day um and then I walk my dog and then I have a cooked dinner like honestly I'm just I have a lot of energy and a lot of space to give to all these different roles I have to play. I do everything. I'm the marketer, right. I'm the publicist, I'm the financial advice planner. Like I'm, yeah. and so I think it's just a quick like switch when I get tired in those moments. It's just like, but I, I'm doing what I really love. Yeah. I'm talking yeah. to people, I'm dancing and talking to people about caring for the planet. Like though, I, like that's, that's what fuels me. Yeah. I'm gonna need a big break after this, to be honest. Like I've I've been going strong for like two years now, and I'm 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 feeling very tired. I can imagine. Yeah, but um, yeah, like our our Airbnb will also be on the beach. Like, so don't nice. try to relax. Nice. That's so important. It's one of the things that 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 people often forget to do during the festival or during during any festival is to be like. Uh, do I need to fly her today or do is, would it be better for me to take a break? You know? Yeah. yeah or maybe I can just go an hour before or like yeah. I, I see this one show that I think is close to my venue. I'm going to yeah. go to that one instead of try to hit up like seven. <laughs> That's a lot of shows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Checking in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I tend to front load as many of the administrative things as possible before the festival. Like I have oh, a folder yeah. full of like promo images that I can slap uh, uh, like a pull quote on yeah. really quickly. And just like, I have those like, so that, you know, if I get a good review, I can take this thing and I can put it on like the, the social media really quick. So I don't ever have to worry about that after the fact I could be like, okay, when I've got these things ready to go. And that for me, that's one of the stressful things of like, Oh, I didn't have something ready for, for like, promo during the show now i have to scramble and do it right. which is another thing that you don't need to be doing while you're like trying to promote the show to people and and performing it no so you're it's exactly right like getting as much of that that admin done beforehand like i truly 64 scheduled emails in it ready to go nice um that i'm just like i'm not gonna have to worry you know like <laughs> and I, I killed myself doing those this yeah. week, but that was what needed to be done but that's um, that's like you killed yourself this week so yeah. that you don't have to worry about it after. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I want to take a second sorry, sorry go ahead. Man managing your time as as a as an artist is is so paramount. Yeah. So yeah. Paramount. Something that a lot of us haven't been good at over the years. Right. Right, right, right. Um <laughs> um I want to I want to step back and I want to talk a little bit about about your 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 origin story and coming to be a dancer and also to be to be an activist so um let's start with 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 being a dancer what was your what first introduced you to dance and what made you want to to do that and choreograph yeah so my my parent i come from a family of musicians my dad's a very talented guitarist and my late mother um was a, a, a great singer a, a rising pop star in the 80s um, and they could tell that when they put on music, I like to move around. Um, so then, <laughs> then, um, they put me into dance lessons and by the age of eight, I was dancing, you know, like 20 hours a week plus. Um, and then in the mornings before school, I'd have piano practice. And on Monday nights when they didn't have dance, I'd have singing practice. And then I was a part of band and then I was a part of the plays. And then I was doing acting intensives in the summer and it was really intense. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm I'm, tri I'm a triple threat, um, thanks to my parents. Um, but dancing is just what I think I was best at, and what just like really stuck. Um, and then so I went to school uh, and started choreographing quite a bit, and fell into choreographing musicals, and then performed some musicals um, because that was a great way to make money as as a dancer. First, that was a, a great way to make money. 
um, and I enjoyed doing it. And I was a part of some great musicals. Um, but then when I turned 29, I did my last show, An American in Paris in Arizona. And that was the show where I was just like, you know what? I think I'm I think I'm done. Like, I think I'm done going to small towns for months on end, being around a group of people that I don't know or have any connection to. Um, and I would rather stay at home. I make more money at home teaching and performing for events and things like that. Um, and I can facilitate, like, foster better relationships with the people I love here and not constantly be in and out. Um, so then I decided to open up my company, Dance Fashion, and started making independent works and um, have put all my energy into um, energy and money into launching that. And when did uh, uh, activism start for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I was always I, I've always cared about nature um, ever since I was a child. Um, and I had to really kind of bury my head in the sand when I was touring commercially because being sustainable just wasn't those two ideas were really hard, especially a few years ago. I'm, I hope things have changed now. I'm not sure if they have. Um, but even even like I was a part of hair, that's yeah, we protest on stage. Um, there's always been this like sense of sticking up for what is right or sticking up for the underdog for me um, or being outspoken, simply that. And uh, yeah, so in 2020, when the pandemic happened, I started to attend a lot of protests and um just began to really be fulfilled by that and decided to take my my dance work into an environmental place. So I, I, I'm not sure, like maybe I, I don't want to put limits on myself, but it's looking like most of my work will be in an environmental space. Hmm. Going yeah. Yeah. Now, you mentioned your late mother. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who was the original singer of the Everyone Loves Marineland song? <laughs> yeah. Which, as a as a child of the seventies, um, and hearing that pretty much every every night every day, um, it's 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 iconic. But what I didn't realize in the seventies was how bad Marineland is. I know it's shite. It's so it's ter- it's terrible. It's so bad. Right. Oh, it's awful. It's awful. But. You know, now you have that connection through your mother to this, this, this thing, this place. Um, and I, w- I don't know if you, if you went as a kid and didn't know how bad it was. Um, yeah, at... I don't even think we ever even went. Oh, like, no, no, no. Probably, probably was. Yeah, yeah. Because my mom, my mom was excited. Like she died when I was six. So I didn't I have like a few, I have like a handful of memories of my mother. Um, and Marie Land just wasn't like a big, a big one at that time. Like it was more yeah. like. An exciting jingle that she was a part of. Yeah, uh, we at the Marie Lamb after she passed, like the Marie Lamb commercial would come on. We'd like aggressively turn the turn the TV off. Oh sure. Um, yeah, because we hated what they were doing to whales, and we also she they also um, messed up her contract. Or I don't know the full right. story, but my dad it was painful for my dad. Like he was just like, no, they're not a good company. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and then you know everyone's seen Blackfish. Like God. God, are we still, we still think that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you have this connection to this, this place that's, that's, that's legitimately terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a climate activist, mm-hmm. um, I wonder about, about your thoughts on, on the connection and, and the place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If, I, I actually am part of a dance residency in Niagara Falls and I was driving past Marine Land and me and my friend kind of stopped. We were on our way to a beach and um, there was protesters out there and I joined them and I was just told them my story and I was, you know, uh, we would stop every car that came into Marieland. And there was a lot, by the way. I was a little bit shocked to see that. We'd be like, don't come here. It's a sad place. Like, don't like turn around, turn around. And they would just kind of like frown. And, you know, at least we gave them something to think about. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's... Uh, they're mammals, you know. It, it, yeah. being, on a crew, being on a cruise ship was hard for me. Mm. To be honest, I worked on a cruise ship, um, and that was there was. I, I remember this day working on a cruise ship. Um, there was four hundred whales that beached themselves off of uh, the waters of New Zealand. Wow. Yeah, and they showed footage of it, and I just I was sobbing that day because I was like, it's because there's too many boats in the water, and their sonar right. systems get so messed up, right? 
Yeah, I'm very sensitive. I'm very yeah. sensitive to the, all this stuff. And like Marilyn, like that's just like one part. Like my mother also had like a hit song in the 80s that was like actually kind of famous and um, a big dance hit. So the Marilyn is just more of like an interesting like yeah tidbit, you know, especially because yeah. now I'm a climate activist. So it's like it's kind of it's almost like I don't know. Is ironic the right word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ironic is the correct word. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny because you mentioned like you know, Marineland is just one, and I remember yeah. Canada's Wonderland used to have a dolphin show when it first opened in the eighties. They they got rid of it, but like they had they had a dolphin show, and like it's a thing that amusement parks did, and it's fortunately most of them have stopped. Yeah. And to be honest, uh, up until uh, like maybe two three years ago, I thought that Marineland had. I know. I thought, oh, finally, we're rid of that place. But no, they're still going. There's like 50 beluga whales there. Yeah. Or something crazy. I know. It's just like, oh, once you learn about whales, and they're so, they're actually integral to carbon drawdown. Um, this is something I was explaining to my, my students this week. They're like, wait, ocean, like whales help um, carbon in the atmosphere. And I'm like, yeah, like everything in the ocean sucks up carbon. Mm. So I really wish that we would just leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> we need it really bad. Yeah. If we yeah. want to be driving cars, if we want to fly planes, like we really need it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, interestingly, um, you're planning, you're going back to school to, to, to get a bachelor's in environmental studies. Yes. Um, tell me about, about the decision to do that. And uh, how does that jive with your theatrical and mm-hmm. dance Endeavors. Uh, 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 endeavors yeah 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 um so when i decided to stop touring when i was 29 um teaching like teaching's always been a big part of my life but teaching became like a very uh, a full a full frontal focus along with like performing for events um but teaching is like consistent money and um fulfilling work um but they just reached a point i worked at a school that was unfortunately like white nationalist, homophobic, um, and wouldn't let me like teach the kids the things I really wanted to teach that I thought were really valuable. And I just it turned me off of the whole situation. Um, I just like, yeah, I, I I'm not I don't want to be teaching in that way anymore like I I want to come in and teach about climate change I want to come into a school and like do the fourth R and like be inspiring for like an hour a couple hours that I'm there for a workshop but like to be the role model every single day and to just you know it's just it's a very intense role that I'm just I'm I'm too tired I'm too tired to do it and like performing and and this this industry is so like flippant I'm like really done with being so flippant and so inconsistent um, that I'd love to like have a cool environmental job and like have something stable and then like have resources and money to like put into my dance work. Like that sounds like kind of the next chapter for me. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. going to be a lot of hard work to get there. Like I have to get the schooling because I've been applying to a few um, like green jobs. And it's just like, wait, she was tap dancing five years ago and now she wants to be like. An, envi- an environmentalist, like how does this line up? So I really think that it'll be it'll be of value to go back to school, and it'll add more to my work. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, you know, there. I think that a lot of people think about their theatrical career um, is something like, well, if I'm not doing this full time, then I'm not, I can't be doing it. Mm. Um, at a certain point in this economy, um, <laughs> you need to be able to afford things, right? And but I think that it ha- you, that a healthier choice is to say, you know what, I I can get a job that's not in theater, and that can help to fund the theatrical things that I want to do. Exactly. Um, I think that 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 kind of balance needs to be found. I've like my okay, so my dad, for example, like he would play lounges in the eighties. He'd make like a full living being a musician, fully, and like good money too, like. Now, as an artist, like I've never thought of myself going back to school and pursuing a, a new career as like me losing my artistry. No, because I've always had to do a billion and one things to make art happen. So I think the next generation, like not, not even the next, but like this current generation of artists just like has a very 
solid understanding that like we have to do a bunch of things to make it all work. Um, and I, I just want to be really, I want to be fulfilled by all those things. Yeah. You know, yeah. and teaching's just not doing that for me anymore. And like the performing thing is just, it's so inconsistent that I'd rather just keep that as extra money. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm also like, I also feel like I have a, a good, like, I'm, I'm like a smart, I'm smart. Like I want to, you know, like I want to, I want to use that. I want to like yeah. share my ideas and like learn more. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And I think, you know, people who have been in the arts uh, have always worked like two, three part-time jobs you know, to make ends meet. Um, and so they're exhausted all the time. Um, better to work like a full-time job for less hours, ultimately, and uh, be able to afford uh, the things. Yes. This is it. This is like, I'm just, the grinding, it's so unsustainable for me at this point. Like, I'm working, I literally work all the time. Um, and I have to, in order to make everything happen, in order to make the good money, in order to make to be able to fund the art, in order, like, and it's just, it's not, as I get older, like, I, I, I want more for myself. Like, I don't yeah. want to just be this, like, vagabond freelancer you know, like, and I loved it. I felt like a rock star in my 20s, like going from place to place and teaching and performing and level. Like, it was so much fun. But now it's, it's honestly the glamour of it has totally like, it's not glamour. It's not glamorous for me anymore. And it's like, I need, I need. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Not for me. That's, that's, <laughs> I think that's the, that's the, the pattern that often happens. You know, you're doing the, I will sleep on a couch to make this work. And then, you know, you start to get into your 30s and you're like, the couch hurts my back. And also, I would like a house or a place to live. And I would like to not eat like macaroni or ramen or something. Yeah. So you start to make like, okay, how can I do that? And yeah. some people go, okay, I'm leaving theater behind and I will do that. And other people go, I'm finding a balance so I can do both. Exactly. And that's where I'm at. I would like to find a balance. Like, obviously, things are going to shift, especially while I'm in school. I have to really focus. Um, but I'm, I'm, I've been doing, I've been making art since I was a kid. Like this is, yeah. I'm, it's not leaving me anytime soon. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm ready to, like, I really want to, I want a cabin in the woods. Oh my God. I want a cabin in the woods so bad. And then I, I need like a stable, I need like some stability for that to happen. And yeah. So yeah, that's where my head's at. I think it's, I think it's, I think that more people should realize that they can do both that, you know. You don't have to give up everything to keep the career going. And some people do when they're happy doing it, but it's not it's not the way it has to be. Exactly. And like if you find cool employers or like, you know, you, if you have good time management skills, there's always a way to like juggle around a schedule, you know, like if you're good at your job and you're useful. Like there's there people will help you and the give yeah. take. Yeah. I also find like as somebody who has a full time job, oh, it's yeah. important from day one. To be like, I work, when I am done my work day, I'm done my work day. I'm not putting in extra hours. Don't let them set that precedent if you're doing like a day job. Because that will eat up the time where you could be writing or creating a new thing or rehearsing or whatever. And that's how you sort of fall into the, well, I don't have time to do that anymore because I have this job. You need to be able to compartmentalize the job so that you can keep being creative. Wow, cool. I love I love to hear that from you. That's really inspiring. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. It's it's I for years I thought it wasn't possible to do both. Um and for a while I gave up. I gave up theater um until I was like, you know, like you said, you're you're creating and you can't really give it up. It's something that 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 to give it up, you have to basically like stamp it down and like never touch it. Snuff again. it out. Like, yeah, snuff it out. Never touch that again. I don't go to see plays anymore because it yeah. hurts too much, right? Like, right. you know, right. yeah. Um, so, how, you know, you just came out of the Toronto Fringe. Um, how was that as a festival? You mentioned, like, you know, dance could be a weird thing at the Toronto Fringe. I think some, some cities are a little bit more like, yeah, we'll see some dance. And Toronto can be a little, a little bit iffy on the dance. So how did you find that experience uh, as, a, as a dance show? I'm grateful for the Toronto Fringe to be given the opportunity to present, especially at such like an iconic theater, like factory theater studio. Um, was it easy? No. <laughs> um, I mean, 
the sheer amount of time that you have to enter the space and to get ready it is so not conducive for a dance show um one of my dancers hurt their neck on stage yeah because like she you know like the warm-up is is it's disjointed like we had to warm up here. i have a home studio thing which is really lucky so we had to warm up here and then we have to go down and we set it like it's 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 just it's it's not the way I really want to work in, going forward. I might have to like who knows because of opportunities. I might I might ha- have to continue to do so. But I would really like to have like an hour in the theater before we begin um, to. Yeah, just to warm up and get centered. And so in that regard, um, the Toronto Fringe was a little bit a little bit tough. But man, we had such good turnouts, especially with like the cross promotion between other activist groups like Greenpeace came and Eco Justice, which is Canada's largest environmental law firm, came. Like there was a lot of um, great opportunities for that. Um, yeah, I think you know there's only four dance shows in Toronto Fringe, mm. um, and yeah, I'm not. It's not lost on me that like the the uh, climate justice aspect of my show makes it a little bit niche. I wish it wasn't because I feel like this is a message literally for everyone. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, you know, it, it was a good experience. It was a good experience. It was, it was just, it was a little bit difficult at times, for sure. Do you think that niche, though, gives your show a little edge that another, uh, other, another dance show doesn't have? Because your show has a little something extra. It's not just like body movement. It's like body movement with the, a purpose. Yes, I I, I would say so. I would say so. And the people, you know, the people that see it, like everyone, like I'm never going to win. I I can't say never, but I don't see myself winning an award with this show. My last work, Worldly Women, won two awards. I don't know if this one will because there's so many opinions about Mm -hmm. this issue. It affects so many people. It affects everybody in in very like in, in a variety of ways. So I get I get so much conversation and we we have a talk back after the show where we have questions and people have dialogues and people sometimes, you know, they have they have intense things to say, like um, they want to talk about communism. They want to talk about, you know, they, they I don't know. They want to I could. That's a whole other conversation. But yeah, um, the point is, is that a lot of it, 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 this work, the fourth art evokes a conversation in people It evokes something. So I don't think I'm ever going to win. If that makes sense. I don't ever, I don't think I'm ever going to like hit it because people are like, well, you need to add this. Or did you think about that? Or mm, I don't know about that part or that like, and, and that's fine. That's fine. Because honestly, this, this, what I'm doing is to spark conversation and rebellion and, and yeah. back of power. I'm not doing this to win awards. I'm not doing this um, to be, you know, grandiose. Like I'm literally trying to uh, like incite civic, more civic action in people. Interestingly, I think that, you know, if people if a, if a show sparks conversation after the show and the response to a show is not that was nice and people go away and never think of it again. If people are talking about a show after the show is over, you, that's a successful show. As far as I'm concerned, if it sticks with people enough for them to to have opinions, to talk about the show afterwards, then that's a show that has meaning and has affected people in a way that's really important. Thank you. Thank you. I yeah, we achieved that, you know, even in the schools, the kids have lots to say. Um, there, there was a there, there was a person, a fellow artist that saw the show and was like, this was honestly the best show I've ever seen. Hmm. Um, and she was like, I don't know why it's not a, on a main stage at the Fringe. And I'm like, I don't know either. <laughs> um, but thank you. Thank you for that feedback, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, as you head forward into... Uh, the Edinburgh Fringe. When this airs, the Edinburgh Fringe will be on. You will be in the thick of it. Um, uh, how do you feel right now? When do you leave? What's the what's the what, what's what's the what's the state of the fourth R right now? Um, we're in a good place. Um, we we have a new cast coming in. This, this there's been so many casts. I think I've like taught this show thirteen times at this point. Um, but we're, we're in a good place. We're ready to go. Uh, we're feeling good. Um, we know what's ahead. Um, I'm leaving a little bit before the cast arrives. Um, 
And yeah, for, for one of the dancers, it'll be like their very first, like they just graduated in May. Um, and yeah, so that this is like what a thing to do after you've just been graduated. Um, so I, I'm feeling good. I, again, I'm super nervous, but yeah. uh, let's go. Let's let's see some cool. I'm, and I'm also ready to go see some stuff. Like I want yeah. to see some good works. Like I'm ready yeah. to get in. Um, I'm ready to have the fourth R be seen and absorbed and like, I'd be I'd be lying if I said that I didn't want this to progress into something else. Sure, sure. I mean, that's what Edinburgh is for. Like the world goes to the Edinburgh Fringe, so like that's what it's for. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like you said, it's niche. It's niche. Yes. So that could be a good thing. That could also be a deterrent. We'll see. But you know, it's sort of like, what is it? What is it from from title of show? I'd rather be nine people's favorite thing than a hundred people a hundred thousand hundred people's ninth favorite thing like niche can't niche can be a good thing right because it brings in the people who are motivated to see it okay cool i'm gonna hold on to that <laughs> well emma thank you so much for for joining me i really appreciate your time and uh have a great edinburgh fringe thank you so much Belle. i really appreciate it this was such a cool conversation This has been an episode of Stageworthy. Stageworthy is produced, hosted, and edited by Phil Rickaby. That's me. If you enjoyed this podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can leave a five-star rating. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a review. Those reviews and ratings help new people find the show. If you want to keep up with what's going on with Stageworthy and my other projects, you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to philrickaby.com slash subscribe. And remember, if you want to leave a tip, you'll find a link to the virtual tip jar in the show notes or on the website. You can find Stageworthy on Twitter and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the complete archive of all episodes at stageworthy.ca. If you want to find me... You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby. And as I mentioned, my website is philrickaby.com. See you next week for another episode of Stageworthy. Worthy.